Welcome to Kingdom Life Church, Stellenbosch. May this life-giving word activate your faith today. The topic of my sermon this morning is seeing is believing. No, it's not. The topic of my sermon is seeing starts with believing. How many of you know, know the phrase seeing is believing? I'll believe it when I see it. But if you go to, to, to believing and, and serving God, is seeing starts with believing. That's what it is. Now, I've been busy uh, with the series on Psalm 91. I know, hopefully, all of you have been watching some of it. <laughs> and, um, and we've been, uh, I've been, I've been, uh, been, been uh, hard at work. My wife and uh, we, uh, in, uh, just in the lockdown, we, we were on holiday, praise God, for the first time in six months, we actually had a bit of a break. And, uh, and when we got back, I really felt that God said, I need to do a day-to-day devotional on Psalm 91, and uh, we're going to call the devotional Prayer 91. And we take verse by verse, day by day, we, we're going just going through that, that scriptures. And it's been blessing me. Hopefully it's been blessing um, most of you. But Friday I, I done, I'm, I've done uh, verse 11 and 12. And I don't know how many of you have, have watched the 11 and 12 already. Um, but if you haven't watched any of the devotionals, that's fine. You just go to our YouTube channel and you can click on the playlist Prayer 91. You can watch it day by day whenever it fits you or where you're at. So, but I've done verse 11 and 12. And when I read verse 11, something dropped in my heart. And I'm going to read it quickly to you, and then I want to I want to connect it to something I want to share with you this morning quickly. It's, it's not going to be a long one. I know it's quite cold here in the shade, <laughs> but at least it's oh there my mask go. But it, at least it is it is something that that I know that that I think it is the season for this word right now. So verse 11. I'm going to read it out of three translations. Psalm 91. It says, "For he shall give his angels charge over you to keep you in all your ways." Remember that one? How many of you have watched Friday? Under, uh, you have to, you have to some, oh, three of you. <laughs> you have some watching to do. <laughs> I think it was actually quite a good one. But he said, for he shall give you his angels charge over you to keep you in all your ways. The Amplified says the following. He says, for he will command his angels in regard to you to protect and defend and guard you in all your ways. But then the Passion Translation says the following. It says, God sends angels with special orders to protect you wherever you go, defending you from all harm. Isn't that amazing? That's a great scripture, but it's not just a scripture. It's a promise. It's a promise for you, me, for everyone around us that God gave his angels charge over us. Now, let me give you a quick recap. Can I just quickly recap on Friday? I'm not going to do the whole thing. But that verse that says, He shall give His angels charge over you. What does that mean? Give His angels charge over you. Now, I've, I used the illustration of, say I was a general in the army. And as a general, I come to my captain, and I give him charge over his men. What does that mean? That means by my authority as general, I am charging him to protect his men with everything he has. Does it make sense? There's an a, a authoritative demand from mine, a charge that I give him to protect. You see, the angels are undercharged by the authority of God to protect us day and night. They are under the authority of God to protect us. 
Isn't that amazing? You see, we have angels around us every moment of every day, in every situation, everything you face in your life. You've got angels around you. But the question is, do we believe that? Or is it just a Christian thing we say? I'll pray that the angels protect you. Because sometimes we, we go quickly into the Christian lingo and say, oh, I'll just pray the angels will come. And do we actually believe that? You see, it's a good question to always ask ourselves. I'm saying it, but do I believe it? See, it's always with your mouth you will declare and with your heart you will believe. And it's so important. See, it is one thing to say I believe, but it is. But do we really have a faith revelation? I love that word about this amazing promise. It's a faith revelation. I've got a revelation when I'm saying, when I'm praying. When we go on holiday or ride, drive, we said, Lord, we, we thank you that the angels are around this car, but do I really believe it? Do I see it am I, am I, uh, with my spiritual eyes? Do I, do I, com do I confess it? Now, then in 2 Corinthians 5, verse 7, it says, to, it's, it's very easy, you'll, you'll know that it says, we walk by faith and not by sight. It's a very well-known scripture. Well-known. We walk by faith and not by sight. The Passion Translation says, for we will, so, so, sorry, it says, for we live by faith, not by what we see with our eyes. We live by faith, not what we see with our eyes. Now, now let me ask you a question quickly. And then you know I like asking questions because it helps us to process what we're hearing. It says, this is my question, on, on what do we base our faith today? On what do you base your faith? <laughs> now, there's a lot of answers. There's probably a lot of answers. And it's okay because we all need to process this question. On what do you today, tomorrow, next week, do? on what do you base your faith? You see, today we see so many stories and news in social media. And the media as a whole have a lot of, I mean, we're in the information age. But what can we nowadays take as truth? See, that's one, one, one answer. What can we take as truth today? Just looking at social media, news, I mean, just looking at the base of media and the world today, what do we take as, as truth? See, there's been so many fake news mixed with truth <laughs> that we, we have to really be careful what we believe and what we discard. I mean, I've been, I, I mean, to be honest, I've been struggling because I always have to pray about it. Okay, Lord, Lord, this is an incredible article. Oh, my goodness, somebody sent me this YouTube video of this doctor there or this guy. It's like, oh, this is incredible. Oh, I, how have I missed this? Then I share it, and then two friends like, dude, this is fake news. Like, but it seems so true. <laughs> Am I the only one? You see, to be honest, it's really tough to distinguish and to know what is truth at the moment. It is tough, especially in the day and age we're living in, in the world we're living in. What do we take as truth today? See, we and we read and and and, and listen to all these COVID stories, and 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 what does it do? Do it sparks fear with us. Without us knowing, is this truth or not? I'm not even going into the vaccine thing. You have to, you have to, <laughs> yeah, you have to ask God in your heart. God spoke to me about it. And, it, and it's not about what the pastor or this or that do. It's about what God says to you. It's what God says to you. And if you want to know what I'm saying, go and come and ask me. Now, on the one side, you get people that says one thing. On the other side, you get people that say a totally different thing, but both of them serve God. 
How do we know what the truth is? How do we? Now today, more than ever, we need to truth a true, true, true revelation of the Scripture in 2 Corinthians. We walk by faith and not by sight. We need the true revelation of the Scripture in our hearts. Now let me make a statement today that will actually take us into the sermon and what I actually want to leave with you today. And it's not going to be long, but I want to leave something with you today. Here's my statement. My statement is, faith is seeing, it's just not seeing with your physical eyes. <laughs> faith is seeing, it is just not seeing with your physical eyes. Let it sink in. There's a well-known story of a father and a boy and I'm going to just read it, otherwise I'm going to paraphrase and it's going to be right. But I want to read you the story quickly. One night a house caught fire and a young boy was forced to flee to the roof. The father stood on the ground below with outstretched arms, calling to his son, Jump! I will catch you! He knew the boy had to jump to save his life. And all the but all the boy, all, sorry, but all the boy could see, however, was flames, smoke and blackness. As, he, as can be imagined, he was afraid to leave the roof. He, was, he kept yelling to his father. Oh, sorry. His father kept yelling, jump, I'll catch you. But the boy protested, daddy, I cannot see you. Then the father replied, but I can see you and that's all that matters. Isn't that powerful? I can see you and that's all that matters. See, in the times we're facing at the moment, we we're most of the time only seeing the flame we, we're only seeing the flames and the smoke and the blackness nothing else at this moment if you think about what we're facing what we're going through your your work your business your family all we're seeing is flames and smoke and blackness and it's there's fear in our heart and that's why it's so super important to know the father's voice in every situation right now where we are especially in these times we need to hear the Father's voice. Now, there's a story in 2 Kings 6, and I want to build my sermon around it, and I want to end with it. In 2 Kings 6, we read the story of Syria, who attacked the nation of Israel. Now, some of you are like, wait, wait, Henny, but isn't it now? Yes, it is. That's when the war and the unrest between Syria and Israel already is biblical. It started in biblical times. But more for the sake of, 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 of time, I want to paraphrase the story very quickly so that I don't have to go through the whole 2 Kings 6 and read everything with you. But I'm going to paraphrase the story quickly to, to build a platform and I'm going to read two or three scriptures to give us one takeaway today. Is it right? Now the story is about Elisha in the days of Elisha. And it's about the king of Syria that planned this detailed attack against Israel. Very detailed. I mean, he had all his army, all his men. He, he gathered some troops a year. He had one of the most significant armies with one of the best war machines and the, no, the most skilled warriors of any nation in that time, the king of Syria. And he pulled up and he had this planned attack to, to, um, to actually, um, uh, what do you call it, actually ambush the Israelites in one place. So... It was no doubt, if you look at his army, his war machines, everything about the king of Assyria, that he would annihilate Israel. He would annihilate. He would, I mean, he would wipe them from the face of the earth. But Israel was one step ahead every time. One step ahead. 
because Israel know the tactics and the plans of Syria. Now the king of Syria would deploy this, his army and, and they would try to ambush the Israelites. And then every time the Israelites would take a different route around the ambush of Syria. <laughs> now this caused quite an issue. The morale of the Syrian soldiers was low. They were frustrated and they were restless. I mean, think about you are the stronger army. Like you are a stronger team and you're playing a different other team that's poor. And you just can't do anything against this team. They just kept on running around you. It's almost like that. These guys were frustrated. They were restless. But the king of Syria was livid. I mean, he was mad. Every time he had this plan, he had this thing... They were busy ambushing Israel. They're going to wipe them out, and then they just run around them. They just never get to face them face to face in war. And the king was so furious. He, what he did, he was convinced there was a traitor in their midst. He was convinced. There was someone in their midst, in his uh, generals or whatever. He was convinced that someone was in his army. That was leaking all this information, all these detailed plans of Syrian army to the Israelites. And that's the only way that they could know how to surround them, how to skip the battle with them. Now the king called a meeting and all his ranked officials he got together, every one of them. And he was mad. He shouted at them. He threatened them. He said, I'm going to kill all of you if you don't tell me now what's going to happen. And then this one official like raised his hand. You know, He was scared. He said, King, it is, there is no spy in your midst. But Israel has a prophet called Elisha. And he spoke up. And he actually said the following. And I'm reading from 2 Kings 6, verse 12 to 15. It says the following. It says, It is not us, my Lord God. One of the officers, officers replied, Elisha, the prophet in Israel, tells the king of Israel even the words you speak in the privacy of your bedroom. <laughs> I mean, that must be nice to know. Eh? <laughs> he knows everything that I say. Then he says, go and find out where he is, the king commanded, so I can send troops to seize him. And the report came back. And the report came back. Elisha is at Dothan. So one night, the king of Aram, that's the king of Syria, sent a great army with many chariots and horses to surround the city. When the servant of the man of God got up early the next morning and went outside, there were troops, horses, chariots everywhere. Now think about it. The servant ran in and he said, Oh, sir, what will we do now? The young man cried to Elisha. Now this is, I mean, think about you. Just put yourself in the shoes of the servant. Isn't this an exciting story? I mean, they need to make a movie out of this thing. And it's awesome. The Bible is exciting. Now let me think, let's quickly think about this. If you were in the shoes of the servant, you wake up the morning, man, you just made your coffee. Before you wake up the prophet, you just go out and say, how's the day? And suddenly you see a surrounding your farmland is chariots and army men shouting at you. They, they came to kill you. Now, like any one of us, yeah, if it would happen to us, we would be filled with fear. <laughs> Come on. Not, none of us like, oh, this is nothing. I mean, we would be fearful. There was a young guy with the prophet and they were there to minister, man. They're not fighters. They're not soldiers. But what would we have done? Think about what would you would, how would you respond in a situation like that, finding yourself surrounded by an army? But here's the powerful truth in this story. I want to take, about, take away today. Elisha, the prophet, he heard it. 
servant came running to him, freaking out. What did Elisha do? He didn't freak out. He calmly told his servant the following. Verse 16, he says, Don't be afraid, Elisha told him, for there are more on our side than on theirs. <laughs> There's much more on our side than on theirs. <laughs> I can just imagine the servant must have felt. It's like, what? Have you been outside? Have you, have you seen what I've seen? <laughs> I don't know if, if I'm getting some. Are you high on something? Yeah. All he could do, all the servant could do, he saw the soldiers coming against them, and they were seriously outnumbered. That's what the servant saw. There was just two of them and an army against them. See, there was absolutely no logic in what Elisha said. Nothing. I think the servant probably thought, hey man, did the prophet finally got, got mad or just went mad? It's, something is not right here. But then before the servant went into a full panic, <laughs> a full panic, panic attack, Elisha prayed. And it was a very simple prayer. It wasn't a very extravagant shouting and performing and dancing and making fun. Nothing. It's normal, calm prayer. And he said to following, verse 17, he prayed. He said, then Elisha prayed, O Lord, open his eyes and let him see. Open his eyes and let him see. And then the Lord opened the young man's eyes. And when he looked up, he saw that the hillside around Elisha was filled with horses and chariots of fire. That's where the, the movie's now name came from. See, God's armies of angels were surrounding them and outnumbered them and outnumbered the Syrian troops. Abs just totally outnumbered them. And they shined with the glory of God with chariots of fire. Just think about that. That just when we surrounded, almost surrounded by mountains. But if you standing in Kutzenberg and you watching all the mountains, and the mountains is filled with chariots of fire with the, the soldiers and angels of God. I mean, think about nothing will be much, will be, will be greater than that. No army, no attack, no nothing. Now let's just pause here and think. The servant came out. He looked at this incredible army who wanted to come and seize them and kill them. And then God opened his eyes and suddenly he saw the superior army of God. That had, I mean, the Syrian army had no comparison to what God was already putting in place or had in place. Now, what was the difference between the servant's fearfulness and Elisha's fearlessness? What was the difference? See, they saw different things. They saw different things. They saw two absolutely different things. The servant saw people came to kill them. Elisha knew, because he saw in the spirit, that there was something much more superior. Much more superior. See, the servant saw the Syrian army. Elisha saw an even greater army of angels with chariots of fire. You see, Elisha had spiritual insight. And that's why he could boldly say, do not fear, for those with us is more than those with them. Now, it's always funny. Elisha didn't go outside. He didn't see the armies of God. He knew. He knew. Because he started his believing without seeing, but knowing. 
See, seeing starts, or faith starts. What did I say? No, I messed myself up. See, seeing starts with believing. He believed first, and then he knew. He knew. He just, he just, the Bible never said that Elisha saw it. He just, he just prayed, Father, open the servant's eyes. Just open the servant's eyes. Now, this is a revelation we need to set. We need to solidify in our hearts and minds today that we are looking at things. We're looking at the flames and the smoke and the darkness and the COVID and the stuff and the things around us. But what do we really see? What do we really see? See, if, they, if, if we are in constant fear of death or in constant fear of sickness or in constant fear of losing your job or in constant fear of losing your business or making it financially every month, we are looking in, in the flesh. We are, we are seeing what the servant is seeing. But it's time to get the promise deeper into our hearts. This promise, it's a small little insignificant promise, but in the spirit it is absolutely significant. We need to meditate on this. We need to know it. We need to press down, shaken together, running over it into our hearts. See, we might not see we might might be seeing the flames and the smoke and the things, but God says, I can see you, and that's all that matters. I can see you. But Daddy, we I can't see you. I'm just seeing flames. I'm just seeing COVID. I'm just seeing all these things. And God says, But I can see you. That's all that matters. That's all that matters today. Now Paul writes, and I want to finish with two little scriptures. Paul wrote an amazing prayer in, in Ephesians 1 verse 18 to 19. He says the following, and I'm reading from Amplified. He says, and I pray that the eyes of your heart, the eyes of your heart, the different translation, New King James says, the eyes of your understanding. He says, I pray that the eyes of your heart, the very center and core of your being, may be enlightened. Now what does this enlightened mean? It says, to be flooded with the light of the Holy Spirit. <coughs> Sorry. So that you will know and cherish the hope, the divine guarantee, the confident expectation to which he has called you. God says, well, Paul says, he says, this is what you need to pray in your life. Lord, I pray that you that the eyes of my heart will be enlightened. That means that I would not see with my physical eyes, look at situations and circumstances and things, and then connect my emotions to it. No, no. I would let the eyes of my heart be enlightened. What is the eyes of my heart? My very center of my core and my being. My spirit will be enlightened when I see the promises of what you've given me. Now I pray that like Elisha, that we will be able to see beyond that which is in the natural realm. Come on, I want to do that. I want to see beyond what is in the natural. But that we will see the legions of angels that is already busy protecting us. That we will see the legions of angels who is charged by God's authority to protect us. I mean, since I read that scripture, when I walked out of my house, I imagine in my, in my spiritual eyes, I said, Father, I thank you for the angels that's surrounding me. I thank you for the angels that's surrounding this town, my house, my family, every member of our church, every place I set my foot, that your angels is already there and they've got, they, they've got chariots and fly, fly, <laughs> flaming chariots. 
To do what? To protect me. To protect my family. To protect the ones around me. I will not look at the news or the thing and look for truth there, but I will take the truth from the promises that God has already given me. What is the promise? 2 Corinthians 4.18, and I, I'm, I'm ending with this. It says, and I love this. This is a prophetic scripture for us for now. Prophetic. 2 Corinthians 4, verse 18 from New Living. It says, so we don't look at the troubles we can see now. Rather, we fix our gaze or our eyes on the things that we cannot see. For the things we can see now will soon be gone, but the things we cannot see will last forever. Isn't that powerful? It is not about what we can see now. Yes, it is tough. It is hectic. People are dying. Dude, people are going through serious issues. People are losing businesses. They're losing loved ones. It is real stuff we are facing now. But the scripture says, I want to get you to get your hope up because the scripture says, the troubles you see now is not the troubles you will see in the future. See, it's something prophetic I want to declare over us, over you today, that says it is not about what we see today. Yes, we have a sound mind. We think about what we do. That's why we do protocols and we, 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 we follow the things. I mean, if the scripture says you will drink poison and you will not die, it doesn't mean you're going to take poison, go to someone and say, I believe in God. I'll drink this poison and, and show you that I believe in God. I mean, that's absolute stupidity. God says whenever there is a moment there is that you might be drinking poison, you, it will not harm you. But you will not test the Lord your God. That's what Jesus said. I will not test the Lord my God. I will, be, I, will, I will have a sound mind in everything that I go. I will seek the truth out of the word. But then whenever some of those things come near me, I will not be harmed. But there's a declaration in our hearts this morning that, that, that I want to go back and I want to end with this quickly. If you look at Psalm 91 verse 11, for, for he shall give his angels charge over us to keep you in all your ways. And then the scripture says, and he will let your angels carry you on their hand so that you not bump your foot out against a stone. And for those of you who haven't, um, haven't watched the, the devotional yet, did you know that the only place in the Bible where the devil quoted scripture was when he tempted Jesus? It's the only place. In this moment, the three times he quoted scripture. And then he went and took him up on the temple, in the highest place of the temple, and he said to Jesus, jump off, because it is written that the Lord will give his angels charge over you. And then he said, they will even carry you on their hands so that you don't bump your foot against a stone. But what we don't know is that the devil left out the middle phrase. That middle phrase that says, I will keep you in all your ways. He left it out. Why? Because he knew if he confessed that, that God will keep us in all his ways, he's confessing that God is the only God, that Jesus is the one. He knew it. You see, that's how fine the devil can twist the scriptures to bring fear into our lives, to twist the truth in our lives, that we look at different things and not at what God has already done. See, we might not be daily. We we not we we might not daily see angels in our lives with our physical eyes, but we know by faith that I am surrounded. You are surrounded. Our children are protected. Our families are protected. Our businesses are protected. 
See, the word promise that God will never leave us or forsake us. You remember that scripture? He promised that His goodness and mercies would follow us all the days of our lives. Remember that scripture? Our confidence is not in what we see daily. But my confidence is in His promises that will last forever. When lately have you visited all the promises of God in your life? Elisha was a prophet, yes. He had a double anointing from what Elijah had. You know why Elisha knew there was chariots of fire surrounding him? Because he has seen them. When Elijah went to the Lord, he said to Elisha, you will take over. And Elisha said to Elijah, he said, I want double the anointing, double the blessing. And Elijah said a, a, a funny thing. He said, well, if you see me, if you see the Lord take me, you will have the double anointing. If you see me being taken. And he said, great. So then suddenly a chariot of fire, chariots of fire and angels surrounded them. And, and, and the scripture says, and the Lord took Elijah with a whirlwind. He didn't take him with a chariot of fire. Go and read the scriptures. So what was the chariot of fire? It was just something that was always there. That is, their spiritual eyes just opened. But if, if Elisha's focus was on the things that, oh, this is the amazing things, he would have missed Elijah being taken with the whirlwind. And it's in that moment where he saw Elijah being taken, he had a double anointing and he took his coat and he struck the river. The river, you may, oh, this long story, go and read it. But Elisha, in that moment, saw the chariots of fire already. He knew. He knew they, they were always there. They were surrounding him constantly in his life. He had a solidified revelation of his angels surrounding him. Isn't that amazing? That's what I want. I want a solidified revelation of the king of kings who charged his angels with the authority of heaven to say, take after, look after my son, look after my daughter. Nothing will harm him because I will keep him in all my ways. See, all of us quote the scripture, the angels will carry me on their hands and I will not bump my foot against a stone but we missed the most important part of the moment where the power, true power lies with the enemy left out. I will keep you in all your ways. What is all your ways? Everything you do, every day, your family, your love, your, fi- your, your, your finances, your business, your, your children. That is your ways. That's what you do every day. Every day. You see, when we pray this prayer and we confess this promise of our lives, We confess and say, Father, your angels are charged to protect me. I'm under their charge from you. And I want to pray for us this morning. And I know, well, I went longer than I thought. But I want to pray for us this morning. And I want to pray for for a revelation that will solidify, will, will, will be solidified in our heart will be a value and a, and a revelation of a promise that God has given us thousands of years ago that says, I will keep you in all your ways, but I will give my angels charge over you. And just like Elisha knew that there is constant protection, there will be constant protection over your life, over everything in your life, in all your ways. Can I pray? Let's stand together. That's maybe good. Father, we thank you this morning. Thank you for listening to our weekly sermon. 
for more detail, visit www.klcstellenbosch.co.za.